uh, second Sunday after Christmas, but we're still in the uh, Christmas story. Now, I, I don't know about you, but for a lot of us, we have uh, the three kings or the three wise men and our nativity scenes at home. So after you saw this and you realize, hey, maybe he was up to two years old, you might want to take those out. I would say keep them in, okay? Because we're really still in the Christmas story, even though we're a couple of Sundays after Christmas. And it is true, most scholars do believe, and we can look at this in, uh, in Matthew 1, that Jesus was a child now. Uh, the word for Jesus in Greek is a child in Matthew 1, not a baby as it was in Luke 2. And it does say, actually, in the Scripture, the wise men come to a house, uh, not a manger or a, a stable. But we want to keep the wise men um, in the Christmas story because they really have an important part in the Christmas story. They tell us how we can approach Jesus, I think, even in our own lives. So we've seen the story on video, but let's read it again out of Matthew uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 18. Let's read that now. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who's been born king of the Jews? For he observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when of you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they heard the king, they set out. And there, ahead of them, went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. And on entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. Now after they had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Then Joseph got up took the child and his mother by night and went to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, out of Egypt I have called my son. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated and he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had learned from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be consoled because they are no more. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word again today, which we have read and seen in video. And we pray now that that word would be real to us, 
God, that we would learn from it, that we would take it to heart, and God, that you would teach us how to apply it to our lives this week. We pray humbly in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I think if we're uh, maybe to remember this story, you know, going forward out of today, if we might for a moment, instead of just calling them wise men, we call them kings. You know, we have the old song, We Three Kings of Orient Are. So if we think about kings, we can really have five different kings in this story. We have Herod, the evil king. We have the three wise men or the three kings who come from the Far East to visit Jesus. And we have the king of kings, which if you noticed in the video from the Jesus Storybook Bible, Jesus is called here, the king of kings, the king of all kings. So let's take a look at them. We have Herod, the evil king or the evil dictator. Well, if you're around my age and you remember back, if you liked movies, you liked John Wayne movies, uh, westerns, and in a lot of those, uh, John Wayne was the good guy, and then there was some bad guy, and the bad guys almost always wore uh, black hats. You know, if you fast forward some years, uh, And you look at maybe the Star Wars movie. Um, Darth Vader wasn't a cowboy at all, but he certainly wore a black mask and a black cape, if not a black hat. He let you know he was the bad guy. Now, I don't think Herod uh, wore black, but in this story, and from what scholars know, what we know about Herod, he was certainly a bad guy, and he was the villain in this story. Herod was so bad that he had some of his own family members killed because he thought they might threaten his rule there in Jerusalem. And the Jewish historian Josephus said that Herod had a plan in place that when he died, he would have elite citizens in Jerusalem murdered so that a lot of people around Jerusalem would be mourning at the time of his death, even if they weren't mourning for him. He was worried about that. We know, would anybody mourn for him at all? So how can we relate to Herod at all in this story? Well, we might not relate to him because we're doing the evil things that he is doing. But what's at the base of that? It talks about in the story that Herod was frightened. He was threatened uh, by the possibility of a new king, and he was insecure in many ways. We, too, I think, can, can relate to that. You know, if we can't relate to Herod in other ways, we can certainly relate to Herod in that sometimes we have fear and insecurity in our own lives. What are some of the things that we might deal with? Well, Herod dealt with uh, holding on to power, um, kind of a desperate hold on to power. He wanted to hold on to his reputation. He wanted people to mourn him when he died. He wanted people to respect him. And we may have some of those same kind of things. We may have fear of failure, of losing maybe some of the power, the control that we have in our lives, of what other people think of us. We can be anxious about our future, as Herod apparently was anxious about his future. What do we do when we're anxious? What do we do when we have that sense of insecurity in your lives? Well, talking to some of you, I've heard that you have a favorite passage in the Bible that's one of my favorites as well. It's Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Oftentimes, when I feel very anxious, scared, frightened, I will repeat these words. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I know that times when I'm worried about something, when I'm anxious, when I feel a little insecure, when I'm a little afraid about what's coming, what's going to happen, or what's going to be in the future, 
I will think back to this passage that Paul gave us and I will turn it into a prayer and say, God, I want to give you my prayers. I want to give you my thanks. I want to give you my praise. I want to put the focus on you because you can carry all things even when I feel like I can't carry them. When I feel that I don't know what to do next, you can take care of those things. So we can learn at least that from Herod. Well, let's move on from Herod. Let's look to the other, the three kings or the three wise men. Who are they? One commentator says this, they were magi or wise men that were from the Orient or the East. And the magi presented three gifts to Jesus of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Some scholars believe, though, that uh, there were more than three. There were some stories back in, in those ancient of days that there may have been 12 or more. There may have been other wise men that come, but we've come to believe that there are three through some church tradition and also the fact that there are three gifts listed given to the child Jesus. Many scholars think that they are from Persia, which is around modern-day Iran. So I read this week they were the first Iranians to worship Jesus. I think that's pretty cool when you think about what's going on today. And we know that King Herod was impressed by the wise men, but apparently they weren't as impressed by him as he was by them because they left him when they found that uh, the new king wasn't there, and they went to seek out the new king, and they went home another way. When they got to baby Jesus, as we saw in the video, they brought gifts, uh, valuable gifts that they had taken time to think about and to carry uh, for a long way to bring to this new king. I know as I talked with some of you around Christmas and uh, as Claire and my family, we talked to other families, some of us, we, we, we try to figure out how can we cut down on some of the materialism of Christmas and still kind of get by with it with our kids. So one of the things we've done in some years is say, well, if Jesus got three gifts, you only get three gifts too. Now, now we cheat on that sometimes. I'm going to be honest, okay? And then the grandparents bring in the gifts, and that adds a lot, okay? But we can give three gifts to our kids, and that's one way I think we can um, remember uh, the wise men and the gifts that they gave. But what can we learn from them? How can we relate to them as they related to Jesus the King? Well, apparently they studied. They had to know something of these predictions that was predicting that this king would be born um, to the west of them. And then they, they followed a star, so they, they followed something. Um, they had to travel. They had to pack for travel. Um, they, it really did truly probably take them months. It may have been as far as 1,000 miles from where they traveled in the east to Jerusalem. And then they listened, uh, being warned in a dream to travel back a different way to avoid Herod. So they listened through a dream to what God had told them. It's really amazing when we think about all the things that they did, that they were willing to sacrifice, to think, you know, to study, to work, to travel, to seek out the one who would be the king of kings. And that's what we can learn from them. Which leads us to the king of kings, to Jesus. Um, we can certainly relate to Jesus in so many ways. And if you were, happen to be here on Christmas Eve and you heard Jerry talk about Jesus can relate to us. He was born a baby to teenage parents who had to figure out what to do uh, when this new baby cried. And they had to figure out how to change his diapers, how to feed him, how to care for him. He was human like us and so could relate to us. And then you think about 
as he grew, as he became a toddler. He had to take his first steps. He had to learn to walk. You know, he probably tripped and fell. He probably scraped his knees. And then as he grew and finally became a man, at the end of his life, of his short life, he was persecuted. He was rejected by this establishment. And then finally, you know, even rejected and left by his closest friends after he had had an intimate meal with them on the last night uh, of his life here. So we can relate to Jesus as well. When we feel rejected by the establishment, whatever that is in our lives, when we've had friends or family that we feel for whatever reason they've turned on us, it's encouraging to know that Jesus can relate to us. He can relate to us in our struggles and when we hurt in life. He can relate to us in our fear and anxiety. And we can give thanks and pray to him for a peace, as it says in Philippians, for a peace that passes understanding because he is the prince of peace who brings that peace. Matt Proctor is a pastor, and he says he has a couple of young boys around ages five and three, and they said they want to be like him. He tells some stories how his sons, ages five and three, want to be like him. And he said they want dad to even dress like him. He said oftentimes they'll wear T-shirts and blue jeans, so when he goes home sometimes on the weekends or evenings, they want dad to dress like them, so he'll put on T-shirts and blue jeans. And he says his little boys, when he comes out dressed like they are, they say, look, dad, same, same that they're the same as him. And he said one of their favorite things to do, which I've played with my boys as well, is to play like living room football. Now, you know that could be dangerous, but he says, but they're scared of him because he's so much bigger than they are. And that, uh, so they want him to get on his knees to play football with them. And he says about himself, and he's a pastor, he says, when I'm standing, I'm scary, I'm towering above them. And he said, there's a theological term for that, completely other. I'm other than them. I'm towering above them. But when I get on my knees, he said, my five-year-old can put his hand on my shoulder and said, see, Dad, same, same. Now we can look eye to eye. And Matt Proctor says, here's the point. God himself has felt what we feel, but he chose not to stay completely other apart from us. Instead, he chose to get down on eye level with us, and he experienced what it's like to be tired and discouraged, to hurt and bleed. In fact, on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And as his children, when we hurt and when we struggle, we can look at Jesus in his life through the scripture from the time when he was a baby till the time when he was a man, and we can see And we can say to him, same, same. You've been through the same things, even worse than we have now. And we can relate to him. I love it that uh, late in his time with his disciples that Jesus said that he no longer called them disciples, but friends. And that's telling how he did that. And even on that last night with his disciples at the Lord's Supper. Also, though, we need to recognize him as the wise men did as king of kings. And we know now that Jesus, after his resurrection, as we also read in Scripture, sits in heaven at the place of authority at the right hand of God the Father. And so as we read about Jesus, who he is, how he humbled himself as a man, but then uh, became uh, and and was at the all, all time both fully God and fully man, 
But as he now sits at the right hand of God the Father, he deserves our reverence and our worship and our respect. And so the wise men worshiped him and brought gifts. And it says in verse 11 that we read a few minutes ago, they bowed down, paid homage, or worshiped him. We can do the same. We can come to this room, this sanctuary on Sundays and at other times to bow down our hearts, to bring our gifts to him, to bring our reverence to God, to bring our worship to God. But how do we praise him? How do we bring our praise, our worship to him when we're not in the sanctuary? Well, I heard a friend say that we need to love God and love others. That's what we do. We love God, love others. Really, it's a simpler version, you know, of the greatest commandment, to love God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. That's really what we're called to do, right? Love God and love others. Well, it's easy to say, but it's not always easy to do. So how do we do that? One of the ways we love God is through our prayers. But we don't pray to God as if God is like Santa Claus, that we just bring him our request of things that we want. We pray to him with reverence and respect and worship, and we come to him in praise and a worship for who he is. That's where we start. And then, though, since we can't touch God, since God is far from us now in some ways, we can love God by touching others. I don't know about you, but I I enjoy uh, musicals. I don't think that makes me less manly, does it, to really like musicals? I I, I like musicals, okay, I'm just saying. Uh, Oklahoma, for one, but I really like Les Mis uh, more recently, and I've seen Les Mis live uh, a couple of times and then seen it in the movie version that's been on DVD recently. And one of the great lines of the musical, which I found out is also in the book, the original book by Victor Hugo, says to love another person is to see the face of God. To love another person is to see the face of God. And I said before that one of my heroes um, was Billy Graham. And, and many years ago, I'd had kind of a goal. I'd like to meet Billy Graham someday and, you know, shake his hand and meet him face to face. And I never had that chance. And really, honestly, I'm fine with that. That's okay. But he's probably the person I'd rather meet than any other person who walks on the earth. But I've gotten, when you think about it, I've had the chance, as you have had, to meet Jesus face to face. And when you think about that, how is that true? Well, in Matthew 25, Jesus tells how that is possible. How can we see Jesus face to face? How can we meet him? In Matthew 25, he tells a parable. And in that parable, Jesus says, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And furthermore, Jesus says, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you look after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. So when we love God, when we want to worship Jesus, when we want to see Jesus face to face, We can do that by loving others. To love another person is to see the face of God. When we do that through the Holy Spirit in us, through Jesus' love in us, when we love God with all our heart, mind, soul, strength, we are uh, loving him and we can see him through loving others. Back to the scripture today from Matthew 2. Herod said to the wise men before they left, he said, go and search diligently for the child. 
when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and worship him. Now, Herod didn't actually mean it, but I think that's good advice for us. If we can, if we find Jesus, we need to go and, and, and seek him and find him and want to meet him wherever he is in others, in places where we can go. We can be like the wise men. They studied, they took a journey, they sought out a different king, not King Herod, but a child king who was born to poor peasant parents. And when they found him, when they found Jesus, they bowed down, they worshiped him, and they gave him the treasures of their lives. Let's do the same. Let us pray. Lord, we ask in this new year, O Lord, that we seek you and we worship you as the wise men did. God, we pray that when we find you, that we can worship you. God, that we can give of our gifts, Lord, time, talent, and treasures in many ways, that we would see you and others around us. And Lord, even this week, Monday through Friday, help us to see ways in which we can see you in others and meet you there. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.